Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawn to your race fans, and welcome to Roland Race News, like third or fourth take! I just cannot get my technology to work right for me, but damn it, we're going to try it again. Episode number six, hanging out with Derek Hall over here in the garage, just screwing around, going to have a good time. Derek, thank you so much for coming on tonight. With with it going into winter, I mean, we're in the first week of November here. We just apparently elected a president. Who knows what's going on with that? Don't care about that. We're here to drink beer. Yeah, don't look at Facebook. <laughs> If you're watching this right now, it's going to be Monday, so probably still shouldn't look at Facebook. <laughs> but anyways, rolling into the wintertime, November, there's not a lot of racing going on. We're going to have some indoor cart and stuff going on around the area. So with the circle track drivers whose season ends in September, I just kind of wanted to get caught up and talk a little bit about where these drivers began and go over a little bit of that career aspect. So let us know a little bit about how you got into racing. Is it something that came on from childhood or something that came a little bit later on? Yeah, for sure. Hey, thanks for having me on, James. Uh, Anytime. You know, my, my grandfather was uh, really rich in the racing scene, and, and uh, he, he sponsored a lot of big-name drivers, you know, Joe Kaziski, Bob Kaziski. Uh, it, uh, it was an early childhood thing for me. Um, the first racetrack I ever went to was Sunset Speedway. I can still remember the sights and sounds and even the smells, honestly. Uh, and it's always been in the back of my mind. I, uh, I played stick and ball sports growing up, just like every other kid would be. Uh, and I got a late start. I think I started racing when I was 21, like 2012 or something like that. And, and, uh, it's just, it's been a long, a lifelong passion of mine that never really got exercised till, until I could afford it. So just one of those things that you always knew that you wanted to be involved in, but whether it be hockey, baseball, racing, or any sport, it's always kind of difficult to find a pathway to get into that. You know, when it comes down to baseball or hockey, you can go and find a team and do tryouts. But when it comes to racing, it's not really a tryout kind of deal. There's not many people that are going to let you jump into something that costs so much money to go out and do so you talk about getting into racing at about 21 years old before you actually jumped into a car i know you grew up around the grandstands watching things and learning is there anybody that you kind of helped out or did you just dive straight into racing from the grandstand yeah you know i was uh i was in sixth grade basically science class i, I kind of grew up with jared Deering, uh Area modified racer, right? Yeah. Uh, at the time, we would we would draw pictures of toters and and race cars, and you know, we, it was it was just a thing we did. Uh, it, he kind of got me in the whole racing scene. His dad raced Doug Dieterding for a lot of years. Oh was, yeah, the Ringer Dinger special. Uh, <laughs> we all seen those wings he put on the modifieds. It was all super cool, and, and I hung out with him pretty much through high school. And and uh, I met a kid named da- Kenny Danley. Everybody knows Kenny Danley. Uh, uh, he always had race cars. We worked on them, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And and uh, that's kind of how I got my feet wet after, you know, the whole childhood dreams. And, and, uh, and, and I kind of took off from there. I got my first race car when I was 21 and, and it was something where I sold a motorcycle and bought my first roller and it took me a year to get it. And, and, uh, and the rest is history. So, so going into, you know, we talked about hockey and making that transition into racing. What did you feel like the first night when you had, taken all this time and money to go and put something together like that 
your first night in racing, how did that kind of come about, and what kind of emotions did you just feel getting into something your first time? Well, you know, uh, I, I'm kind of a person who uh, I don't do anything at 50%. Uh, it's just not an option for me. I've always been 100% in or 100% out. Uh, I got the car done late in the season. I took the the very first night was uh, Oktoberfest, <laughs> Beatrice Raceway. I why not dive in balls deep? Yeah, I uh, me and a group of buddies went up there, got a hotel for a weekend, and and uh, and yeah, we just did it. It uh, I I actually got my feet wet in a mod the, the the year before, and and I raced two nights, and it it was the best two nights of my life. Honestly, it was it was a it's a feeling that if you don't experience, it, you'll never understand it. But what, if you do experience it, you'll be a lifelong fan of it. So, um, yeah, I, I got my I got my feet wet at Beatrice Speedway in the Sport Mod deal, and and I can't say it was, if it was good or bad. I can't remember. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of spinning out and lots of motor issues, but you know we all made it past it. So, yeah, absolutely. You talked a little bit about how it's something that you just have to experience to understand. And me coming from the announcer's point of view, I mean, I've I grew up around racing. I've been in cars before and I've I've gotten to feel that feeling of what it's like to put that thing in third gear once you roll out of the staging area and just once the green flag drops it's just like they say the bullshit stops and that's something I'd like to my buddy Dan Taylor head announcer over at Eagle Raceway. He hasn't been in a race car before and <laughs> I I've, I've got to find a way to make that happen because He's, I uh... feel like you've you've that's something that you have to experience. It's He's been in a he's been in a go kart. I, I see all about that. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're not going to beat him much in a go kart, but uh, actually, tomorrow morning I'm headed over there. Um, I don't know if this is going to air this coming Monday or next Monday, but tomorrow is the final NASCAR race of the year. So I'm actually going to meet up with Dan and Troy Samford tomorrow morning and do a little right. bit of go kart racing before the Phoenix front stretch party. I'm going to apologize now. My money's on Troy. Oh, money's on Troy Sanford. Um, when it comes to me going to Joe's, I, with my eyesight, I know my limitations. Right. I know that I can go out there and turn some good laps. I have beat, you talked about him earlier, I have beat Jared Dieterding in a go-kart at, um, you know, here's an early Joe's story. Um, I love you, Chad Cook, but you might hate me after this. The last time that I went to Joe's, was after the World of Wheels. It was actually the last day of BC before COVID. <laughs> I was down at World of Wheels talking to Dan Taylor for a front stretch interview. Gary Dominguez and I and a couple people had started trying to work out an old school Midwest Racers autograph day. So I was down there talking with him. So the last time I went to Joe's was also the day that Sydney Brummer broke her arm on a go kart <laughs> over there. So it was it was did, a very did, interesting. Did Chad last cause trip. it or no? No, Chad oh, okay. did not cause it. He was long gone at that point. Um, we actually weren't. That sounds the, about right. The little group that I went with, uh, Leighton Fintel and Austin Barclay. We had cruised up there, and we were standing there waiting for our race, and it was actually some guy. It, it wasn't Chad. It was a blue helmet, but it wasn't Chad. But it just made for a really interesting would happen. trip to Joe's. <laughs> Anyways, freight training back on target. So you had your first weekend over there at Oktoberfest, rolling into the second, or I guess not your second season, but your second nights in your sport mod doing your own thing. Run us through a little bit of the first year and just kind of how you got the momentum rolling up and kind of the learning progression. 
Yeah, you know, I think we probably raced 40 times that first year, and uh, we were all eager to go, and and we really didn't know what we were completely doing, but uh, we had a, I had a good idea of wrenching on a couple cars in the past, and, and it wasn't bad. It was a, It's a deal that, you know, I always say it's a light switch uh, in racing. You know, you kind of you kind of learn that, you know, people will tell you all the time, fly in there, you know, like driving harder, you know, get on the brakes, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's it's a feeling. Once you, once you flip that light switch, you know how hard you can drive in. Uh, if your car's good enough, you know it's consistent. You can trust it. It's all a trust thing. Uh, the first year, it was fun. It was good. I don't think we ever really set the world on fire by all means. But, uh, you know, me and a group of like probably five of my buddies all had a great time. And it was, it was a, good, uh, a good experience the first year. Yeah, that's what it's all about is just having a good time. Those first couple years helping Jared Dieterding get started, I mean, most of my memories didn't really happen at the racetrack. They were all in the pit area or the parking lot afterwards. No, no, the camper in Jared's garage. <laughs> or Jared's driveway, my bad. <laughs> oh, okay. You're talking a little bit oh, be- yeah. about before I got on the scene. When I started hanging out with Jared Dieterding, him and Dylan Bridgman had an old slide-in pickup box camper mm. that was parked outside of the that shop. That sounds about right. The ghetto mansion. <laughs> oh, man, that that was a great time. I actually met a lot uh, of people through that camper. I bet. And <laughs> that's just something special about racing that you really don't get anywhere else. I mean, you go to a football game at Memorial Stadium, you might be in there with 89,000 people, but you only know and are going to stand there and have a conversation or grab a drink with you know, maybe five or ten of them. There's a lot of people that you might know from the same town, but they're not somebody that you're going to run up and hug and say, man, it's good to see you. Something special about the racetrack, uh, something that I've noticed just from knowing you, your daughter Lainey doing her go-kart thing. I can remember not quite when she was a baby, but just (laughs) growing up around there. It's like every spring you, you go from that small window of October to April, and all of a sudden... You know, somebody's kid has grown six inches. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I I can't tell you for sure if it's my kid or not. She's about to outgrow me. I think they gave me the wrong one at the hospital, to be honest. Uh, she's pretty great. You know, I, you know, c- coming from, like, the hockey when I was younger and, and not having the opportunities that, that I wanted, uh, that I dreamed of, I, I 100% wanted to give her everything, uh, every opportunity. If she chooses to go with racing, great. Uh, I'll be that that Bobby Pierce in the in the in the pits, you know, following their kids around. But uh, you know, I I gave her the opportunity to race go kart a couple years ago, and probably a few years late. But she's uh she's she's shown that that she wants it, and and she's a tough competitor for sure. Uh, she's not gonna let you off the hook. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I I haven't watched a whole lot of the go kart racing stuff. The more that I do the announcing thing, the more that I want to get on the first shift and actually go out there on Thursdays and Fridays and race with you guys. <laughs> I want to get in the adult class in that cage yeah. card stuff. That looks like a lot of fun, and it's just, I don't know. But Lainey, she's actually came on pretty strong. Let us know uh, before we get back into kind of your career, how has Lainey been doing these last couple, two or three years? Yeah, you know, she was eight years old when we started this deal, and, and uh we bought all of uh, Trey Grop stuff, so it was all top-notch stuff. Oh, yeah, and, you knew you had good stuff going in. And uh, with Matt Matt on our backing, I can call Matt any time, and he'll, he'll, he'll point me in the right direction. And He's kind of a, a god in the go-kart world, to say the least. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we started when we were eight, and uh, we, we started with a, a friend friends of ours, Camden Gossard. Oh, okay. Um, which is Troy Sanford's nephew. Yeah, you're starting to um, hear that name a lot more. They're going mini-sprint Yeah, racing, they are. They? That's good for them. Uh 
but yeah, we started racing with them and, and it, it, at one point kind of clashed a little bit between the kids and, and, uh, that's just cause they're both competitors and they both want to win and, and they both have their strengths. Um, but yeah, we started when we were eight, we raced Eagle Raceway for the, the year and it was good and bad. Um, I, I applaud Roger for, for having a go-kart track and, and, you know, continuing the racing and the generations, but it it can be kind of challenging for the kids. It's tight. It's uh, bump and run type racing, and and sometimes I don't want to see my daughter be on the bad side of the bump and run. And you know my buddies might not want to see their kids on the bad side of the bump and run, but it is it come, sometimes creates drama. And and uh, so we stepped outside the box. Uh, we went to to I eighty little Sunset Speedway, and and we won the championship in the amateur uh, two years ago. And uh, I don't want to limit her, so. If she's able and she's under control, I'm gonna let her move up a class. And and this last year we went up to junior one and and uh, same weight, more power. You know, kind of teaches the kid to counter steer a little bit and drive a little bit harder. Um, and just learn cart cart control. And she did great. Um, we didn't get a win this year, which is kind of a bummer, and we're both bummed about it. But she so she showed that she can control it. And uh, you know, I think we finished outside the top four all year long. Um, there was one kid that was just lights out, uh, and we learned a lot from him just by watching him. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to next year. I think we might. I turned 30 in November 27th. So Damn old balls. I know. I guess I, I'm not <laughs> far behind. I'll be in July. Uh, yeah, I'm 30 years old and got an 11-year-old daughter, but uh, she, she keeps me true. Um, but, yeah, for my birthday, my wife asked me if, what I wanted for my birthday, and I said I want to go racing the turkey chase, so hopefully we can get there and get her done. And give her opportunity to, to maybe pick up that first win of 2020 and, and end the year on a good note. Yeah, you might as well end it that way. For those folks that don't know, the Turkey Chase is an indoor go-kart race held here in Lincoln, Nebraska, out at the Lancaster Event Center. Always a good run deal. It's indoors, so you can stay warm. They got pretty good food over at the concession stand, so make sure and check that out. Um, it's, 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 a, it's an event ran by uh, you know IED Speedway, uh, Joe, Kaziski, Joe Kaziski and... And his daughters and and the whole staff run a pretty good show, and it's it kind of gives you you know like that grassroots deal that you know like for me when I was four years old and I went to Sunset Speedway and I watched the Broncos and and uh, you know kind of grew up in that sense. It kind of gives those little kids a a, a future in my sense. You know it it uh, teaches them that you know they can compete at a young age and and uh, you know it's it it's it's good for everybody. It it keeps young generations coming up and in and. And it's good for the go-kart world, so we need competitors. Yeah, that's the most important thing when it comes to racing is just getting new people involved in the sport. And whether you're go-kart racing or World of Outlaw racing, Weekly Eagle Raceway, or NASCAR, it's all about getting new fans through the gate. That's something I've struggled with doing the announcer thing is I always want to bring new people. Yeah. But it's really hard when you work through the whole night. And that can kind of be a similar situation being a driver and having to make those adjustments to your car in between races. I always say that if you've never been to the racetrack, you know, it's a, it's a sight. It's a, you know, the sights, the, you know, the... The sights and the smells. Yes. You, you know, you uh, were talking about um, Sunset Speedway and going there when you were younger and just remembering what that smells like. And there's... Sometimes it's just the perfect day, whether you're walking out to get ready to mow your lawn, but the wind can hit you just right, and the sunshine is in that certain angle, and it's just like, man, that really reminds me of going to Beatrice <laughs> for Spring Nationals back in 2004. The weather's just that same way. It's at, crazy how that stuff can stick with you. At the end of the day, you know, it's uh, 
I always say that if uh, if you go to the racetrack one time and you leave the racetrack and say it wasn't fun, you're not human. Uh, it takes one time to get in the race car and and feeling the feeling the race car, the dirt, the you know just the g forces when you find the turn one at Eagle Raceway. It's it's a uh, if, if that's not fun to you, you're not human. Yeah, there's there's no <laughs> other way around it. And, and if you and do it even one if time, you are human. You're you're not a cool enough human being to hang out with me. <laughs> We're not gonna be friends. <laughs> no, if if you can't get into this, there's something wrong with you, because it's it's a whole nother world once you walk through those gates, and that's something that we have special at Eagle is it does have that atmosphere. I can understand going to a, you know, I'm not gonna name any names of any tracks because I've never been to a racetrack that I didn't like, but right. there are some racetracks out there that don't have the atmosphere and the buzz when you roll in. Some Absolutely places not. it's like, oh, we're racing, and then other tracks like Welcome to Here, There, and Everywhere, uh. race fans, are you ready? <laughs> you know, you you get pumped up like that, and it right. it does show and reflect. So that's kind of something that's kept you rolling back to eagle but just in what we were talking about before we got into laney's we only talked about your first year and you talked about running 40 shows your whole summer that's got to be something unique getting to go to a couple of different tracks and really learning how to drive in all kinds of weather per se oh absolutely yeah i uh i was very fortunate and got to uh the very first year i had probably five guys five guys five crew guys that helped me out all year long and they're all really close buddies of mine and and uh, we raced all year long. We had our ups and downs. And at the end of the year, I I, I was that person who gave anybody and everybody the opportunity. Uh, I told all my crew guys, I said, hey, we're going to go to Rising City. They have an open practice. There's new owners at the time. And I said, hey, if anybody wants to drive my race car, have at it. It's your time. Suit up, let's, soldier. Let's, let's roll. Let's, let's get in it. Let's, you know, don't hold no back. You know, it's, it's, it's almost off season. You wreck it. Who cares? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, you know, and. And I did. I gave everyone an opportunity, and and uh, and that's the opportunity you get from like situations like that is it's it's kind of hard to come by. Um, I think that it uh, for me it was a a way of saying, hey, this is what I love to do. This is this is the feeling I get. Let, let I want you to experience it, and and hopefully you can uh, you can figure it out. You know. Yeah, whether that's something they decide to jump into head first or not. I mean, something that I noticed as a guy, even though I just had a compact that I was letting other people I race. Wa- I remember watching you race back in the day, though. So oh, you, yeah, can't, you can't get off the hook. That I easy. was I was nothing impressive <laughs> in a car, and that was that you had was fun the fun doing part. It, though. I'm I'm such a competitive person that once I got four or six shows in, I'm like, okay. I can't do this competitively, so I'm not going to do it at all. But I'll let somebody else do right. it. And, no, that's awesome. You know, my grandpa did the same thing. Absolutely. My my grandpa wasn't much of a race car driver, and but he was really smart. You know, and he he was in the radiator business, which is a big part of race cars. You know, and keeping them cool. Uh, and I think my grandma even had some powder puff races that he he always told me as a kid she was on her lid more than she was on her wheels. But you know, that's <laughs> that's all history. That's it is what it is. You know. Uh, but yeah, my my grandfather was a big part of my my childhood, and and uh, now I get to live on with with him in my my memories. It so. is it's such a cool thing to be able to transfer this sport from generation to generation, and you you live on. My my grandpa never raced circle track stuff, but he was a drag racer back in the '60s. But it's so cool to talk about. Like you know, we both know Troy Sanford, and my grandpa growing up had always told me kind of that Kenny Gride story from his point of Absolutely. view. And then you get to meet somebody that knows it from their point of view. So back to your point of view, um, we'll just kind of fast forward. You've always kind of stuck around the sport mod ranks, doing that thing, and 
you've really came on strong for a guy with a limited budget. I'm I'm always really impressed to watch guys like that from around the area and be as, as competitive as you have been the last two or three years. You've really came on pretty strong, just kind of doing your own thing. Let us know a little bit about, um, let's just say 2018. How was that year? Uh, 2018. Let's think about here. You know, it, it really started in 15. Um, for me, uh, I got a car for my, my cousin's husband and it was a razor car. It was an Oh nine and it had like 11 nights on it. it came from Terry Richards. Um, it was sitting out in the cornfield and, and, uh, he said, come get it. I'm not going to race it and have fun with it. And, and so I did it and it was, it was a learning experience because it was a car that it was, the car was way faster than I was at that time. Uh, I had to learn how to, uh, drive a tight race car, which everyone hates. I didn't. Anyways, I did. I hate, uh, it went and it never turned. It was, I heard from everybody and their mom was. Drive it in harder. It's like that's the worst turn because sometimes when a t- when car's so tight, you can't drive it in any harder, you know. But, uh, you know, in, in 15, I, I kind of got a a childhood hero of mine, uh, Gary Sadoff. Uh, I parked next to him, and, and we uh, we talked regularly about, um, you know, setup and, and what makes sense to him. And he's he's kind of an ambassador of our sport, and, and he drove up on a Wednesday. I think I'm pretty sure he's a second shift or third shift guy too, but uh, – he drove up to my shop on a Wednesday night and and, and uh, went through my car with me and uh, a lot. Of, he explained everything to a point where it made sense to me and and uh, that's where it all really started. Um, it was a baseline. You buy a new car, they give you a baseline setup, you know, and it it it's something that works for a guy who's a hundred pounds or a guy who's three hundred pounds, you know. And and uh, I kind of took off from there and and I kind of started to understand the geometry of a race car at that point uh, based off what Gary had explained to me. Uh, and what we're doing now isn't far off from what I learned in 15. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, a good race car driver knows what he wants in a race car and, and, uh, where he wants it to, you know, to where, the, the best parts for it to work, you know, uh, um, I mean, for me, I like a loose race car, uh, loose is fast. Everyone's watched yeah, Days of Thunder, Days of right? Thunder. Classic movie <laughs> quote. I mean, Cole Trickle won how many races? It loses fast on the outside out of control. So, uh, but yeah, I know it all started in 15, and uh, I I had some help from you know him and and uh, there's some other people who helped me get through the through the year and and uh, you know I, I raced on a very limited budget, uh, and I, I'm not one to shy from it because it's it's kind of a, a pride and joy for me. You know, I I don't have thousands of dollars that that get me up and down the road and. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of the guy that I have a, a family budget and uh, I got a racing budget. So sometimes that racing budget might, might be a little small, um, and I rely on that top fives. You know, and and so I, I think at the end of the day, that kind of hinders me for for the wins I deserve or the wins I've been in contention to get. And and uh, that's just how it is. You know, I I got I got a families first, um, and it makes it a little bit harder with with the whole go kart thing. You know, it's you don't get no money back for running fifth or first or second or third. You know, it's it's uh yeah, it's, it's, it's literally it's, for the fun of it. Yeah, it's a family sport and and it's for the fun of it. But at the end of the day, it still costs money. Um, and I always from the point she started racing, I said she comes first. So if if you know if Laney gets to race first on a Friday and or a Thursday, last couple of years, and she tears something up, it's. It's uh, it's it comes out of my racing funds. Yeah, that's so. money out of the gas tank <laughs> I mean, on your car. That's that's not a family bill money. That's that's a, 
that's a, a racing fund, you know. So, and me and my wife do a great job at at uh, at making it all work. But uh, just like anybody else in this world, it's it's sometimes it's a struggle. So that's something that's great to see, though. I mean, you don't the the family dynamic. Not to divulge off of the racing topic, but the family dynamic is different than it was, you know, twenty years ago. Absolutely. If you go back and watch, to an extent, yeah. But if you go back and watch, like the. I can't remember if it was three or whatever the movie was about Dale Earnhardt Absolutely, yeah, where they were that. sitting there, Ralph and his wife going over the books. It's like that is still something that goes on around dining room tables all across North America is you've got to sit there and go over those books and finances. I mean, I, I always tell people this isn't chess. You can't just go out and buy one set of whatever you need to go play the game of chess and just right. do it. You've got it's it's a constantly rotating and working machine that goes through parts and tires and everything adds up and I'm going to get these dogs out of here so I'm while while I walk away from the mic I'm going to ask you a little bit about your 2020 season. I know it's been screwed up for everybody, but how did you get started with not as many racetracks up and running and running full programs the way that they are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, a good <clears throat> good family friends of mine are the Waymans and uh they got a hold of me early in the COVID deal and said, "Hey, let's 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 make a trip to Stewart and do some testing and and uh, try to get a jump start on our season." And and uh, you know, it, it started in Stewart. Uh, we went up there with uh, Cole Wayman, Dan, and Sean Pospisil, and and uh, you know, we probably turned 70, 80 laps that that day. And and uh, we were we were kind of behind schedule. You know, we 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 uh, we tried some stuff on setup stuff and and shocks and and it, it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted. Um, and it was pretty apparent pretty early in that, that test session. And, but, uh, I got an opportunity to watch Cole and, and, uh, Cole's an upcoming driver and, and he understands setup at this point and knows who he wants in a race car. And, and, uh, he had a phenomenal year and, and uh, just a very good close family friend. And, um, so we, we started in Stewart and, uh, me, me and Cole kind of worked together for a few, for a few weeks and, uh, so our season out pretty strong. I think we were in contention to win a couple of races there early, and and uh, I made a couple of wrong decisions, and, and lap cars kind of got in the way, and it was just a struggle at the beginning. Uh, I think we let the first night at Eagle till three or four to go, and and uh, ended up ruining my night and, and a couple other people's nights, and and uh, that was just the, the first part of the story, you know. And so we rebuilt the back half of the car, probably seventy five percent of the rear kick on the car after the first night at Eagle, and. And Dan told me all year long, he said, you're chasing something that's not there. And, and uh, you know, we ended up going through a motor midway through the season and unfortunate situation. And and uh, I got a new motor from a buddy of mine and and uh, kept me going. You know, it's this whole entire sport is all family-based. And uh, you meet you meet people you would not meet on a regular basis. You know, you meet them at the racetrack and you you become friends with them and, and – uh, lifelong friends at that you know so uh you know we got a new motor we we decided hey you know we're not gonna learn nothing about this car the certain you know circumstances you know we're gonna we're gonna have to figure this car back out because it's little, every time you build a car it's a little bit different yeah a little little bit tweaks um, and turns that change the whole absolutely you know kids in school that are thinking geometry isn't important i didn't think it was important until about four years after high school when i started going to the races every week Geometry is huge when it comes to this Absolutely. kind of thing. Absolutely, you know when you when you come to when it comes to fixing a race car that people say are junk or 
you know, just, just, just knowing what you want. You know, you never think of the polar moment of the race car or, you know, the geometry of the rear end, how it works with the right front, left rear, right front, you know, the right rear, left front, because everything works on an X. You never think about that kind of stuff in, early, in your, early in your career or hobby, of, you know, for say. Um, but, yeah, so me and my crew guy, Jared, and, you know, like, we got to race more. You know, we just destroyed a car. We fixed it. We got to race more and figure this car out and, and give ourselves those opportunities to run top fives and, you know, contend for wins. And so we went up to Beatrice Speedway and, and, uh, and, Obviously, we hadn't raced there all year long, so we had no points. And we started in the back, I think we got fifth in the heat race and put us on the front row outside of the, of the B feature. And about six or seven laps in the 10 lap race, we were hitting the cushion. It was a cushion race racetrack, and and uh, it it broke a tube in front of the in the front of the fuel cell and started bending the rear kick. Every time I hit the cushion, it bent more and more and more. And then I finally popped the right rear tire. You know that old old Reggie. From old Shane Hyatt, uh, I actually got it from the fan stills, Brianna and, and Doug. Oh, okay. We swapped cars. I bent the stub on the on my razor, and, and we swapped cars. And, and I'm grateful for those guys. You know, I I think Doug was at a standpoint where he didn't want to fix the car because it might be unsafe for his daughter. And I get that point. You know, it's uh, if if, if she was a wreck again and she got hurt, he'd probably feel pretty bad about it. But it, for me, it was, you know, fix the car and be able to race that year. So I did it, and uh. But it, it ultimately it, it got worn out. Uh, most of the Razor cars have a lot of chromoly. The older cars do, and and if you know anything about tubing, chromoly just snaps. It don't you know it don't tear. It doesn't. It just it it needs to be TIG welded. And, and uh, after we tore the car apart, we found some stuff that was just unsafe, and it was too much to fix. Um, and uh, so that was a year. That was a wrap. You know, at that point, and and uh, which is unlike me. I don't like to give up, but yeah, that um, was. That was clear back in like what early July, early yeah. July, late June, early July. Yeah, I I think that uh, you know I I feel bad because I have sponsors and people who back me. I have a couple sponsors that that uh you know make my car look pretty and you know Ben Ben and Cassie and and uh, and my work sponsors me. And I, I felt bad about the situation, but at, 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 in that situation, you're kind of backed in the corner and you can't really do much about it. You know, it's you know it is what it is, and and uh. A buddy I met years ago, probably back to my rookie year, you know, he raced weekly at Eagle, and we kind of kept in contact a couple of years buying parts and this and that. His name was Gary Jones Jr. Um, he had bought a car in 18 and raced at four nights and, and bent it up pretty good, and and uh, him and his brother decided to go a different route, and they took all the parts off that car and uh, put it on a brand-new Edge, and they raced weekly this year at, at IED Speedway. Yep. Um, I knew I'd heard that name somewhere. Right. I don't think I don't think Gary raced. I think his name was Ryan McGee or something like that. I'm not for sure. Um, but I think he had a pretty decent year. And and so uh, Gary texted me after I said, you know, it's, it's done. Did and and uh, you know, see everybody next year. Gary's like, hey, I got a car in, in the in the weeds out back. My 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 parents' house. He's like, come get it. You know. And I, I thought about it. And I've been talking to Travis Roth for a while about a car and trying to get in something newer and. But just with the motor and uh, and other circumstances, it did, it wasn't realistic to go spend six thousand dollars on a new frame. And and uh, so Gary said, "Hey, the, the frame is bent, um, you know, and it, it, it's an area. It was bent in an area that I don't like to mess with, which is the front stub. Oh yeah, because it's a factory metal. It's it's hard to it's hard to make consistent. It, you know, when you when you bend it back with heat, it it's the the tensile strength of the steel. You lose it." Um, so it, it, it's prone to bending easier, but, uh, we did it and, 
uh, yeah, we, we we were able to race four nights this year, and the last four nights were way better than the first four nights. <laughs> so sometimes that's just the way that it goes. I mean, you you roll into it, and you're a guy that's always been pretty hands on. There are some people who just you know they can call up XYS manufacturing and tell them, hey, it's doing this, it's doing that. But you actually have taken cars that were just sitting out in the backfield and can kind of, you have a way of making them your own and working with the bracketry to kind of make an XXX, XYZ, whatever, insert chassis name here and kind (laughs) of twist your own thing. and And it really works out for you. And that's something to be admired because... This day and age, there are so many people who can go out and race their wallets, and it takes a lot to be a guy to come up and do the low-budget thing and yeah, do sure. it as successful as you have. I know you're still churning for that first Sport Mod feature win, but you've done incredible work with what you have. Yeah, you know, I, I, I always say I, I start out with people who uh, generally love me as a person, of friends, you know, and, and they didn't know much about racing. Uh, I probably starting out. Everyone probably has five, six crew guys. You know, like. You oh, absolutely! Know. You you know when you, when you're just getting started, you've got the people who aren't super into racing, but just yeah. want to go out and be part of the group. And I always say you need one person, uh, one person that will drink oil if you if you tell them to. You know, like I found a kid uh, back in the day, probably in 2013 or 14. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was still in high school. Uh, he's my crew guy now. He's I call him crew chief. Or Sherry on a bad day, but uh, he's a he's a machinist, and uh, you know there, there's been a lot of times, you know, it, it, it's I always say it's a family sport and um, crew driven. You know, there's there's been a lot of times, you know, Beatrice Speedway, we raced the Oktoberfest deal. I went and raced the last day without a couple of buddies of mine. You know, we uh, we had a really good showing the first couple of week, first couple of nights in, in Missouri at US 36 Speedway, and uh, and we decided, hey, let's race two more nights and go to Beatrice the following week, and and we had some issues. Uh, it 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 started out with being, you know, on track issues with other people, and and uh, it's all history. But it ended up being mechanical issues, and I was ready to call it a call it a season the second day. And my crew guy said, "Hey, we're not we're not done yet. You know, we're uh, we got more to prove." And and uh, I'm glad he did. You know, there, there's at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in this racing community that won't won't allow you to say no. Um, it just it really depends on how you how you move on from from uh the people who do help you. Yeah, absolutely. This is not a sport for people who give up. I mean it's for some people, you know, talking about race and wallets, for some people it's so easy to go out and spend twenty thousand dollars and buy a car and go run three weeks and wreck it and say, Okay, well I couldn't do this so I'm gonna hang it up. But instead you go out there and run with a five six thousand dollar budget and continue to rally at it and if if something breaks you go out there and you fix it racing in a lot of ways is like a second full-time job if you want to go out there and be competitive it's not just having a bright shiny car with a good looking wrap it's about working on it in the garage during the week and making sure that you have everything dialed in. There's so much more than just the typical bleacher creature or grandstand racer 
can say because I I mean I've been there, you've been there. We, we've been in the grandstands and said, Absolutely. you know, hey, I can go out and do I could have won that feature if I'd have went to the low side. <laughs> but it's it's different when you go out there and you twist the wrenches and make your knuckles bleed to make this happen every week. Yeah, you know, I uh the first night out at Eagle Raceway this year, I I'm I think I started third row or something and and got to lead pretty early and and uh we were there for 17 laps and and uh we were going into turn one in a lap car that I I at, this, at still to this point I don't know how they even made the feature, um, and that's not degrading anybody for what they do, you know it. That's just racing, you know. But uh, well, we've talked about it in earlier podcasts about with with sport modified racing. It it really is a whole different creature because you do have the people who are seasoned veterans and can go out and make anything work. And then you do have a, a lot of squirrels out there. And the, you know, as much as I hate to say it, the sun shines on a dog turd every now and again, Right. sometimes you do get that guy that comes in that doesn't have a lot of, or girl that doesn't <laughs> have the business being there, but somehow makes it. And that is a, you know, a, with everything in racing, there's a positive and negative, but I yeah. feel like that's a huge positive and really builds people to drive. I think that's what, Turn squirrels into deer, per se. Oh, that, that's my terrible analogy of the week here at Roland <laughs> Race News. Yeah, you know, I but I, but back to the to that race, I I think we were running high fifteens, low sixteen lap times, and a couple of lap cars were probably running nineteen lap times, and and uh, I just made a mistake and and uh, didn't want to give up my bottom and and uh, come out of turn two, hard right to the turn three opening of the raceway, it kind of makes you. Check your drawers a little bit, you know, and uh, I Definitely felt kind of bad. I, moments. And I, I kind of ended a couple of people's nights, but at that point in time, I had, I had no control. And, and so it started from there. But a, a good buddy of mine, Brandon Spanger, called me on Monday. He says, you know, uh, lessons learned, you know, maybe next time when you're in that situation, you'll make a different, make a different call. And, and it might be for a thousand hour to win, you know, and, and uh, he was a big help for me to, to be able to make it to Missouri at the end of the year. Uh, my car was at their shop for, Oh, probably a month, you know, and and uh, lots of communion and and uh, <clears throat> just talking racing, you know. But uh, he said, "How crazy would it be if you first night out on a car that was in a in a field, you went fifteen hundred bucks, and it about came true." Yeah, that was um, you know, you talked about how you ran US thirty six and Beatrice Speedway to end the season. Run us through that US thirty six weekend, first weekend on a new car, straight from the from the cornfield. It wasn't a cornfield. It was it was a weird. It, I don't. I still can't tell you for sure what it was. Uh, old Jane James Hopkins will call you out on that deal. It wasn't a cornfield, but it was a field of some sort. I don't know. Not farmer, buddy. I uh, what as long as it was something that was legal <laughs> to grow in a field in Nebraska. <laughs> We yeah. didn't get those election results. Uh, <laughs> 2022. Yeah, 2022. <laughs> but uh yeah, I know I uh uh back back to Gary Jones Jr. he he messaged on my he actually commented on my Facebook he said come get that old Phoenix and and I thought about it and I was like, "You know what? What's a Phoenix?" Well, that's exactly what I was getting ready you know, to ask what, you. What is a Phoenix? Yeah, you know, around here I thought got... it was a bird <laughs> from some <laughs> Harry Potter be. movie. <laughs> or it's a town in Arizona. I don't oh, know. Yeah, it is a town in Arizona. <laughs> I forgot all that. They're, they're but, racing there. Um, <laughs> this might air late, but make yeah. sure to catch the last NASCAR race of the year over at Phoenix International Raceway no. in Phoenix, Arizona. No affiliation to the Phoenix Modified <laughs> chassis that we're going to get back to talking about. Yeah, so he said, come get that Phoenix. And uh, I, I had met friends early in my career, uh, uh, Mike Morton Jr. and Gary Jones Jr. They, they parked right next to me. And uh, 
He said, come get that Phoenix. It's yours. I'm like, really? You know, it's a 2018. has four nights on it. You know, you're going to give it to me? And like, that really comes back to family and friends, you know. It, it makes it happen. And, and so me and my, my crew guy, Jared, we went up there on, like, a Wednesday night and picked it up in Fremont. And, and uh, you know, he helped us out with a few parts that were meant for the car. And and uh, so I, I brought it home. The next day I took it to Central Body Shop. And it, it kind of sat there a little longer than I wanted to. It, it was probably there for a month. And. And uh, nothing to discredit in those guys. You know, they were busy with sprint car stuff, sprint car racing around the, you know. Oh, absolutely. Central Body Shop yeah. has been a steeple in the absolutely. Nebraska racing community for years and years. And if I, had, if I had my way, they would have fixed it and I could have picked it up and paid them, you know. But uh, it was it was come down to a timeline to where if I wanted to get it out to know what I had to work with for 2021, uh, I needed to get it now. So uh, another family member, good buddy of mine, not actually family, but – I'm gonna say he's my blood brother. Blood is thicker than water, but love <laughs> is thicker than blood. Uh, Don Don Hall Jr. He uh, he got a hold of me and said, "Hey, my shop's yours." He says, "My my car's on my trailer." He just won a feature. Yep. You know, and uh, during the race saver national yeah. over at Eagle Raceway, he said, "My shop's yours. Come, come, you know, come use it and 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 uh, make it happen." And so I was over there for about a week, and you know, I I work just as much as anybody, you know, forty five hours, fifty hours a week, and and uh, it's on the way home, so it worked out. F- good for me and and uh so yeah i was in his driveway for a while under the under the carport and and we got her all fixed up and it went from about a, a frame a, a bare frame to a race ready car in about a week and a half and and we went to missouri you know those it, are sprint car times yeah i'd uh i and to be honest it wouldn't have happened without a lot of family and friends you know my mom she obviously is very rich in, in the racing history and and uh for me um and uh, you know, she opened up and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's go racing," and 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 uh, helped me out quite a bit. And and Jared, my crew guy, helped me out quite a bit. And and even Don, you know, he he shed some some of his opinions and uh, you know words of encouragement. And and uh, it happened. You know, we we got to Missouri, and and uh, it's crazy how you drive you travel three hours away from home and. And you get a race against the same people you race against locally, you know, and they're tough competitors. You know, Adam Verpka is a a staple around here, you know, and he's gotten so much better in the last couple of years. And and uh, you know, it, it's 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 going to happen that from from now on. You know, he he knows what he wants in a race car, and and he found a little bit more than I did the second night, and and came home with the trophy. You know, you can actually see a lot of Derek Hall and Adam Verbka and a lot of Adam Verbka and Derek Hall. You two are both just such patient drivers i mean it's it's so easy to go out there and be ready to pounce on anything at the right time but sometimes it's not a pounce it's a leap you know you've got to sit there and you know kind of you've kind of got to sit back and anticipate what's going to happen um we were talking off microphone about the guys that you know you've got to be aware of who's around you because in a in a dirt car, this isn't NASCAR. We don't have spotters. We don't have rear view mirrors. So you've got to kind of yeah, you've got to judge off of you know you you sit there if you haven't looked through a helmet on a racetrack before, you know that you can't see. You know you can't see your ears just uh, as a terrible analogy. You can't right, well, see your ears. You've just got to use be your able ears to... is the biggest issue. You know, and 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 uh, when your race car sounds just like everybody else's race car, sometimes it could be a little bit of an issue. And well, that's what happens when you're in a crate motor. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's my situation. But uh, you know, I, I I feel for the guys who you know who who have ran open motors and they never you know Trevor Baker, 
he never gave up on that deal and and uh it's 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 full circle it's come back around you know yeah he's definitely been a good supporter of yeah. open motor nation this year made that 25 x exc- oh wait and it's not you don't <laughs> pronounce the exclamation point it's the 25 yeah absolutely uh but yeah you know it's it uh in, in, the, in the time of my situation the crane motor makes sense for me and and sometimes i and this goes back to old chad cook you know sometimes you can't uh replace the air and fuel you know it but uh there's ways around it and and uh i think that some people have figured it out to where you know they make it work for them you know and and uh my situation right now you know where the where the open motor is at right now i don't i don't think that i i could uh feasibly afford you know a 5500 dollars motor that that might need refreshing after 15 to 16 nights you know or could um, get claimed for or can get claimed the, you know what, what is the claim price do you know just, just i'm pretty sure hand? it's like 500 bucks all right, um, I was thinking it was around five hundred, five fifty for a hobby stock motor. I yeah, just wasn't sure. It's the it's the same for hobby difference. stock versus um, sport mod, you know. And well, it's e- true. Even an A mod motor, you know, I think it's like twelve or fifteen hundred bucks. You know, at 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 this day and age, you can't buy a, a set of Dart sport mod heads for fifteen hundred bucks. Oh no! You know, by the time you do your valves and your springs and and all that stuff, but uh, you know, the crate motor thing was a, it's a it's a very good thing for um people in my situation, you know, and and. uh I just hope that doesn't change real quick to to go back to an old motor because the cost versus you know cost is is it's not my it's not my budget so absolutely um it's just uh, you talk about having a well oiled machine and just being able to make the pieces fall together just kind of running off the budget that you do run us through some sponsors and support that help the forty four d get up and down the road each week to whatever track you might roll through the gate of yeah the first thing I gotta first person I got to think is my wife and my daughter, you know, they, uh, you know, as far as Laney goes, she Those sacrificed. Are two people. Yeah. My, my wife and my daughter, Laney, she, uh, Laney's the kind of sacrifice. She doesn't know at this point, but she'll figure it out later on. You know, I, I probably should put her in a go-kart a long time ago and I was pretty selfish and, and, uh, I can't say if it was good or bad, you know? Um, but my wife, she puts up a lot of, a lot of hours in the shop and, and uh, quite frankly, a lot of, uh, <laughs> time and money period, you know? Um, and, even though even though we're not at the racetrack Monday through Friday, I'm thinking about racing. You know, I watch race videos constantly. Um, if if my phone's on nine times out of ten, you're gonna hear a race car. You know, and uh, that's just I eat, sleep, and breathe race cars. And 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 you know, for for a racer's wife, they got they got to give up a lot. You know, um, they got to put up with a lot and give up a lot. Uh, you know, weddings are hard for me. Because Saturday night, I wouldn't be at the Eagle Raceway, you know. Yeah, you ha- a wedding, if you know a race car driver, you might as well just plot and plan on uh, uh, back to Dan Taylor. <laughs> Dan's girlfriend knows that if she gets a wedding invitation that's from April to September, she can go, but Dan's not going to go. Yeah. It's it's just something incredible. It's... And God bless all the Rafe's wives. I do want to put your wife on blast because... At one point, we had talked about doing a Race Wives podcast. Now, that would be me asking questions to Race Wives and getting oh, their that perspective. Oh, that might get bad. Uh, really. that's, well, apparently that's what she <laughs> thought, too, because she bailed out on it. Uh, so, Tanisa and Lainey are huge helps in, you know... There's a lot that goes behind it. It's Absolutely, not just yeah. physical or money. That's, There's a lot of mental support that goes those, on, too. Those two put up with a lot, and that's that's first off, you know, but... uh. You know, my my crew guy, Jared Bishop, he uh he he works his ass off day to day. You know, he's actually having a kid now too, so that's that's super cool for him. Yeah. Jared and family. Him and his girlfriend Kelsey, they're about to have a kid in April. So 
Um, yeah, well, a new race fan. <laughs> One new race fan. Uh, hopefully That's it's a all boy. it takes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jerry puts up a lot, and uh, he uh, he helps out a lot, you know, like behind the scenes. You know, it, it's it's hard for me to, to be able to afford what I want to do, when I want to do it, you know, and Jerry puts a lot of money and, and time and effort and, and making sure we get to the racetrack and, and we're prepared and, and you know, we're in a contention to win. You know, at the end of the day, I give him full reins at the racetrack to do what he wants because – you know, if, if, if you give that person, one person, an, uh, an opportunity to shine, not only am I going to shine on the racetrack, but we're a, part, we're, 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 we're a pair. So if we can work together, that only makes our team that much stronger, you know. And, uh, and I, I wouldn't have raced multiple nights without him. Uh, I've told him from the get-go, if he can't go racing, I'm not going racing. But then my wife steps up and she she steps in the crew chief deal. But uh, all right, well if he's not gonna go, I'm gonna go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he I I hope he uh, he he knows how much I appreciate him and and uh, you know forever on. You know I I I hope that uh with with him having a kid, it 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 not only just defines him as a person, but it it makes him grow a little bit too. You know I have a kid, she's 11, and she makes me who I am at the end of the day and. And uh, so I greatly appreciate him, but uh, you know Ben and Cassie, they uh, they're they're all about the the looks. Um, you know Ben works his butt off. He he's always you know looking at different stuff and 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 trying to design better stuff to to make us uh, look good on the racetrack. And and hopefully someday I can give him the the pleasure of having the best appearing car at Eagle Raceway. And and uh, it, it didn't work out this year because we didn't get a race all year long. But uh, at some point in time in the future, I hope we can give him that award, you know. You know, I definitely – just watching you from a race fan to an announcer standpoint, you know, you've always been somebody impressive to watch because I did know you back before ever stepping foot on a racetrack from a working standpoint. Just seeing the low-budget – way that you've gone about things and managed to make so much of it and the moves that you make on the racetrack make for some amazing announcing and it sounds like you know the a chain is only as strong as its weakest weakest link i was trying to say it like the british lady on the tv show (laughs) but a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and it sounds like you've got some pretty damn strong links behind you i want to wish you the best of luck in 2021 and i want to thank you so much for coming on the show today ladies and gentlemen this has been Roland Race News. This is Derek Hall. Derek, once again, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. We'll see you in 2021. Be All ready. right. Race fans, thanks again for tuning in. We will be back next Monday with another episode of Roland Race News. Have a great week. We will talk to you later.